So it's 1649 um, on St. George's Hill. Uh, on the 26th of May, the day the Lord General and his train of officers came riding to St. George's Hill. There were 12 people working on the heath. They were variously digging and planting and spreading manure. The venture was a bold one. The land had been crown property since ancient times. The law of trespass strictly forbade any sowing on it. Times, though, were hard, and there were some locals faced with destitution who come to despise the very notion of private property. Leading them was a smallholder named Gerard Winstanley, a former cloth merchant who'd moved out of London into the Surrey countryside after going bankrupt in 1643. The entire earth, he declared, was a common treasury for all, both rich and poor. So on the 1st of April, 1649, obedient to a direct command of the Holy Spirit, he took his spades and went on to the nearby St. George's Hill and broke the ground. Various other men and women had joined him, and now almost two months on, despite all the hostility they had provoked amongst their neighboring landowners, the diggers, as they were called, were still busy amongst their corn, their carrots, and their beans. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> Um, that there, that was a short extract from this book uh, by one of my favorite historians and authors, a guy called Tom Holland, uh, that book, Dominion. Uh, it's all about how Christianity shaped the Western world and the Western mind. Um, it's amazing. You should definitely go and read it. Um, it was a story about a group of people called the Diggers. That's what they came to be known as. Um, they were from the 17th century. That time was about 500 years ago. It was the time of what was known as the Reformation um, in, in England. And the Reformation was kick-started by the Bible being translated into English for the first time, into English and, and German and, and so on. Basically languages that everybody could read. The Bible wasn't just in Latin to be read by a priest and, and nobody could understand it. Everybody could read it for the first time. Everybody could access God's words, God's holy scriptures, um, and everybody could seek to apply it to their lives. It was a radical and very exciting time. And the diggers were, they were just one group that did just that. Um, and they read in the book of Acts something quite radical. Um, it led them to look at the world in a different light, from a different point of view, and to see, is this the world as God intended it to be? Um, and some of the passages we're going to be reading today, they were foundational passages for this group, the diggers. That's, that's why I've started there. They were the sort of passages they were reading um, and being transformed by. So uh, I was asked this morning to talk about generosity, um, but I thought maybe we could go a step further and talk about what it might look like to be a genuine alternative sort of community, um, like the community we see in the book of Acts. In some ways, I'm seeing this as a bit of a second part to Becky's talk last week. 
um, the only way that Acts community works is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a spirit-inspired community. Um, spiritual things, they're not just amazing, miraculous healings or signs and wonders. They can also be the way that God inspires us to, to live alongside each other. Um, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. So uh, I'm going to start by looking at Acts 2. Um, now again, this is a passage that we've looked at a couple of times in this series already. Um, both Miriam and Claire have shared on it in amazing ways. So I don't want to cover all the same ground as they have. Definitely go back and um, listen to, to those talks on the, um, on the podcast if you can, because yeah, they were really quite something and worth, worth listening to. But um, let's all remind ourselves what it says uh, in, in Acts 2. Um, this is a passage entitled The Fellowship of the Believers. Um, Becky and I were watching The Lord of the Rings last night. It's not The Fellowship of the Ring, it's The Fellowship of the Believers. Um, so, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's quite an amazing passage that, um, and for context, this happens right after Pentecost, right after the moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers uh, in Jerusalem. This is the sort of right and appropriate response to an experience of God. It would be an appropriate sort of response to an experience of God we had this morning if this sort of community life emerges. Um, for, the, um, for the Jews, for the Jewish Christians, uh, this would have been the sort of true fulfillment of what had been hoped for for hundreds of years. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy, written sort of thousands of years before uh, this passage, Deuteronomy 15 verse 4, it says, there need be no people, no, sorry, there need be no poor people amongst you. For in the land your Lord, the Lord your God is living, giving to you uh, to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. So this has been the hope that the Jews have carried for hundreds of years, and they're finally seeing it realized in this Acts, Acts community. It's a God-inspired, a new way of living uh, that sees all our possessions, everything that we have, as just gifts from God uh, that we can share with others in their times of need. Um, there's a simple literary device called a chiasm. I don't want to get into that too much, but you see basically the way that Luke structures this passage. He starts with evangelism, then shared worship and meals, 
shared possessions is right at the heart of what he is talking about. It's, it's the thing that he wants to focus on. Uh, and then he zooms back out to shared worship and meals again in 46 and evangelism through um, people's lifestyle at the end there. So it's, it, it's sort of the crux of this passage is all about the sharing, the caring for each other in need. That's the thing that this whole thing hinges on. Cool. In that time, um, people, there was lots of sort of associations, guilds, clubs that you could have been a part of in, in the Roman world. Um, but the thing that was common about them all is you probably had to pay to be a member of them. You had to pay into them to, to be a part of it. Not so with this um, community. This was a single family with a single heart and a single soul. Let's move on quickly to the next passage this morning, which comes a couple of pages later in Acts chapter 4. Um, now, in between, there's been a few different things that have happened. Uh, there was Becky's passage that we looked at last week, where there was a dramatic healing at the temple. Um, Peter and John then got thrown into jail, uh, but that didn't stop the number of Christians continuing to grow and grow and grow. It was crazy. Then Peter and John get released and they go back to the believers and they decide to have a prayer and worship night. And it's one of the most amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit that they have. In fact, so much so that the whole room starts to shake. So they're completely filled with the Holy Spirit and watch what happens next. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy persons amongst them. From time to time, those that owned land or houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, who was a Levite, uh, that's kind of like his family name, the, who he comes from. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we have a second dramatic outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. So powerful. And the same result happens. The believers start sharing their possessions in response to God's grace to them. So sometimes when we're reading through the book of Acts, it can kind of feel like Luke has forgotten that he's told us all about this sort of community already. Feels like he's almost like filling some space, repeating some lines over again. But I think actually what he's doing is underlining that this is a right response to God, a radically generous community. Like I say, it's these verses that inspired the diggers uh, back in the 17th century to think differently, to attempt to initiate a different sort of society. 
just because of time, I'm going to skip over this next uh, one, which is Acts 19, the riot in Ephesus. Some of you that have been reading through the Acts um, readings that Claire's been sending out on the WhatsApp will remember this. Definitely go back and have a read um, and think about what are the economic drivers that are going on in this passage. Um, but I'm not going to go into that now. Instead, I'm going to go on to this uh, table instead. I think basically what the Acts community was doing, they were challenging the status quo of Roman society. They said that men, women, and children, and even more radically at the time, slaves and their masters, we were equal, part of the same family, to care for one another, to look after each other in our times of need. The Roman world had this really fixed social hierarchy, emperor at the top, patricians, equestrians, plebeians, freedmen, slaves, this like fixed, this is how it was supposed to be. And the Acts church says, no, this is all jumbled together. We're all children of God. We're all one family. We're supposed to look after each other and care for each other. That was incredibly attractive to the poor um, and the slaves and, and, and people in that society at the time. Um, it was also rather threatening to some of the established higher up classes uh, in society. So how about today? Um, I'm not sure I think that we should start a hippie commune as CCL. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, what comes out very clearly from Acts um, and the New Testament is there's loads of verses that support working hard, earning money, and choosing to be generous. It, it comes out clearly time and again that not everybody gives up all of their possessions all of the time. Um, in Acts 20, uh, Paul gathers a bunch of um, church leaders together and he's just about to leave them to, to go on to a different place. Um, but the last thing he says to them um, is here in uh, verse 20, chapter 20, verse 35. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the eagle and my eyed amongst you might notice that um, there's not actually that uh, words in that exact phrasing in the Gospels, um, according to Jesus. Um, scholars think that either that sentence is more blessed to give than to receive, either it kind of sums up a lot of the sorts of things that Jesus was, was saying, um, or it was something that he did say, um, but that just wasn't recorded because uh, the gospel authors were writing so many other things in there. What matters is the way of life that this encapsulates, a way of life that looks like working really hard, um, always to be able to have enough to, to give away to others. So how do we model it? Um, number, I've set sort of five things out there that we, we could start to include in our lives. Um, we can include some giving to charity. Um, there's been a message on the CCL WhatsApps this week about Flourishing Families Bolognese Bags campaign. Um, 
There's also loads of other amazing charities out there. I was chatting to Harry about Fair Share and some of the amazing work they do um, this morning before church. So yeah, definitely give give to charity. Why not? Uh, give to the church community. Um, in the Who We Are course, we've been talking about uh, tithing and making a commitment to give the first 10% of your income to uh, to the church and why we think that's a good idea. There's also just generally caring for each other's needs when someone is in need. Um, yeah, going out of your way to, to care for them in, in whatever way that looks like. Um, also very aware that giving financially um, can be hard, um, can be tricky for some of us in different economic circumstances. Um, but there's lots of opportunities to, to give yourself, to uh, give your time, give your effort, to care for others in the community um, that, that don't require um, giving money. And then sort of the last thing I thought was, was think bigger. Um, think about the sort of society that we live in, in the same way that, you know, I was talking about that Roman social hierarchy and the way that the Acts Church undermined it. Why don't we think about some of the economic structures that we buy into every day? Um, the way that we buy our clothes or our phones, our cars, all sorts of things, it, it sort of feeds into an economic structure. Um, why don't we choose to live in a different way, a way that reflects the Holy Spirit, the generosity of God, uh, the gifts that he has given us. So hopefully I've left enough time there for us to do similarly to what was described in some of those passages, to break bread together um, as a sign of the, the one family, the one body that we are. Um,